We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the first GSPN post-2023 NBA draft podcast. I say first because there will be more. There will be a Eurostep. I believe Adam McGee is cooking something up next week as well. I guess he has to now because I said it on the pod. I'm Ty Wittish, joined the morning after the 2023 NBA draft, which went late into the night, as they often do, joined by Jordan Trusky. Jordan, my friend, hello, good morning. Are you fully woken up yet, and how's it going? I am woke. Stay woke, as the kids say. Um, yeah, Bucks, Bucks had a draft. They had a draft, and they picked someone that wasn't just the last pick of the draft. They did. They they made a concerted effort to uh, move up, and uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, so let's dive right into it. My first question, I was going to say this to you before the pod, but I wanted to talk about it here instead. I thought it would be more fun. How how do you feel about the draft night as a whole for Milwaukee? What I was going to say before, I really like it. I really think they, you know, there were all these ideas of like, oh, you know, trade Grayson or Bobby for the 27th pick. I hate that, to be honest. Like that's. You're getting worse. You're actively getting worse if you do that. I mean, if you hit a home run and get Tyrese Maxey or whatever, that's great. I think the Bucks should draft a Tyrese Maxey every year. The reality is that doesn't <laughs> usually happen. That rarely ever happens. Um, so I don't think that was really all that realistic. But the fact that – and we'll get to the players in a second. But I like that they added three guys who are between like 30 and 60 on, on most people's range – Without using any premium assets to do so, coming in with just 58, I think they really – it's exciting enough for me. I can get excited about these guys. But like, not, it wasn't like they used like a future first or you know all their second rounders or anything. I, I thought they were able to take good swings in a way that made sense for them uh, from an asset standpoint. Look, I mean, going into the night, I, I will preface this and I – just putting that out there for everybody. I did little to no draft prep. This is the first year. Winning six, this is 
our eighth or ninth year, eighth year. Our first pod was the 2015 NBA draft. So this is eighth then. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. It was the Rashad Vaughn draft ever. I, I I was super into draft prep. It's my favorite time of the year because hope is just everywhere. So you, could, you think it, the most optimal outcome for every player is going to happen. Um, this year, though, because the Bucks had the last pick of the draft, I just did not really care. <laughs> I just, I just like okay, the, whatever it is, it's going to be a dart throw. Um, and I just think like I have lower expectations just because we've gone through the second round picks of you know yesteryear that we think like oh maybe they could turn into something and they don't really turn into anything. And until that changes. I kind of will be always always have a or be skeptical about some things, but I will say there is certainly um, some shared similarities between all the the players between the two draft picks they had and a couple of the uh, undrafted guys that they signed to uh, two way signings as well. Um, I don't know. I just i i i like it. I i. I feel like I'm shitty at it already, but I'm not. I don't mean to have that tone. Yeah. I'm, I like just to see like added youth. I like to see just like okay, how does this player fit? How does this actually work? What do they? What do they see in him that they think that can work with this system? Especially too, like this comes with a new coach. Yeah. So you're coming with like you're trying to parse anything of like what a prospect, their archetype or their skill set, not like. What is, what is Adrian Griffin value, even though he's at the GM, but we know John Horse is very much a collaborative mind and all that stuff. And frankly, like, I know a, a former Bucks staffer tweeted as much, but like, mm-hmm. the picks that the Bucks made would not have happened under Bud, which is very interesting Yeah, um, on its face. So, yeah, moving forward, I, I we'll see how they pan out, but there's definitely some things that are like, okay, these are not the same kind of dart throws that we'd be like, oh, let's see how Sam Merrill or yeah. War, you know, these great shooters, how they can fit. Now it's like, okay, well, I'll I'll save some for later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think even Marjan, so I know like Adam McGee pushed back on that a little bit when we were talking before. Like Marjan is not a knockdown shooter, but I think the difference is he does project to be a plus shooter. And I think that's not just a Bucks thing. Like you know, draft people were like, yeah, Marjan should be able to shoot. Like, he takes them, it's fluid. I, I know at lower levels he shot pretty well. With the Ignite team, he didn't, but it's 11 games or whatever. You know, well, let's just get to the first the first guy here. Andre Jackson does not. I mean, Horace said in the availability after the, all the picks were made uh, that, you know, he's work, He's going to work on it. Like, he, he wants to be a shooter. And if you do, if you watch the Andre Jackson highlights, you know, he made some big catch-and-shoot jumpers during the tournament run. Um, he was wide, wide, wide open on all of them. I, that will probably carry over to the Bucks for him, quite honestly. So that may not be an issue. But Andre Jackson, the Bucks select at thirty-six overall. They make a deal with Orlando. So I did a little bit of draft prep. He was not someone I covered a because he's not really a shooter. So he shot twenty-eight percent this last year, thirty-six percent the year before on on pretty low volume. Like that's not his game. Not really a scorer at all. Scored less than seven points. His last two years, each of his last two years in college, uh, didn't play as much as a freshman. But I, I didn't think not a shooter. Also, I kind of thought he was going to be gone by the time the Bucks would have any picks. 
So I, I've got all the rankings from across a couple draft people in here. So Andre Jackson was 29th on Sam Vecini's board, which was the one I used the most in draft prep. So, you know, a first round value there from Vecini. 32 on ESPNs, which is like Jonathan Gavoni, um, Jeremy Wu, and I think some other folks there as well. But so just outside. And then KOC of the ringer had him 36. So from very late first to mid second, which is exactly where the books took him. Um, just basically, I, I guess I, I did a Jordan. I, I, I'd focus on the shitting first, the shooting, shitting on the shooting. I did mean to say shitting. Um, does everything else though. That's the upside with Andre Jackson and like a really intriguing player for this roster. And I think, you know, the athleticism really pops. You watch some of the highlights. I mean, he gets a steal and he's just gone and throwing down a two-handed dunk. Like at his size, he's a legit 6'6". He has a plus wingspan, which was a very common theme for guys the Bucks took. It's They look like NBA players. Andre Jackson definitely does. Really good ball mover. Uh, Vecini called him a winner a lot. Horst echoed that too. Um, I think it helps that he played on a Connecticut team that had one of the most dominant title runs ever. I think they won every game in the tournament by 13 plus points and their offense was better when he played, even though he's not much of a scorer. So really like one of those connective tissue kind of players, which not really someone the Bucks have had, not a player like that in a while. Um, his draft comp was a former Buck uh, from Vecini. His number one was Gary Payton too, the mitten, obviously not a long time Buck, but uh, I'm fascinated to see how he looks. I do think he has a chance to play year one, even though the fit isn't ideal, assuming he's not, you know, all of a sudden knocking down shots. But what I like is I think he can be an NBA player, even if he's not. And if he does become a shooter, then it's like, okay, this is just like an elite wing player. I mean, that's a huge if like I, no yeah, one should expect not- that. It's a huge pie in the sky if, but I like that the downside is not to me. He can't play in the league. The downside is like he's just a limited shooter who does basically everything else well. I was going to do the Johnny Mac voice of watch out. You know, anytime, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anytime they talk about Giannis. I mean, that's the thing for me with Jackson is that like, okay, we're talking about a, the highest percentile athlete. Like, I, I <laughs> this is, again, uh, thoughts that just run through my brain watching, you know, highlight clips on YouTube. Um, now that we, you know, don't have like Draft Express videos to go through strings, even though I will shout out, uh, Adam Spinella, coach, uh, God, I'm gonna script his box and one, uh, sub stack, I believe. Yeah, box and one he is has, tremendous. Coach Spin, coach Spin, yes, yeah. yes, he has picked up that baton and ran with it, which is great. Um, but just going through stuff like that, and uh, I just thought, like, this guy's gonna do like a slam dunk contest. Like, it's he has that kind of like high flying ability, and it's just like it is. Once he starts going, it just goes crazy. It's like a Pringles can. I'm just gonna say that right now. Yeah. Um, but for the overall package and like his skill set that he has, like he has everything that you want from a complimentary wing player. It's just the shooting question marks are very even bigger than how we were talking about with Marjan last year. It's like, okay, we, you see some like hope in the mechanics. You see the free throw shooting after Jackson was not that great of a free throw shooter. I think even probably worse than where Marjan was last year uh, or coming out of G league ignite. But like 
That is the most correctable thing that we can talk about. He has the motor, athleticism, positional or multi-positional size, which has always been something that Horace has, you know, valued in all sorts of his picks um, that he's made. Um, I think if we're talking about that way, it's like, okay, you could do everything but this big question. I'm really fine with that. Like that, like we have talked about where it's like, okay, these guys are really skilled, but how does, how does Jordan war fit defensively, especially with, you know, Bud and how much he prioritized that side of the ball. It's like, I, I don't know, like a big part of what Adrian Griffin is going to bring to the table, presumably, and what was a big talking point in his hire is player development. And, you know, shooting coaches and all that stuff, we don't really know how those roles will go beside, beyond, like, Terry Stotts, the lead assistant, Joe Prunty is in the mix. That we'll see, like, how they divide offense defense. But when we get into the minutia, like, who are these coaches that are going to be taking under Andre Jackson and obviously Chris Livingston and Mari Moore so on and so forth? That's going to be the big question. And, like, that's kind of fun for our perspective. Like, how does... You pe- how do you piece these things together? But, you know, we go into this process like, okay, this guy's shot is broken. He's therefore not a fit and stuff like that. And now to see the, the Bucks kind of rewrite that script a little bit, you know, it, we still don't know if that's actually going to pan out, but I'm excited to see how it works out because everything else that you could talk about a basketball player, Andre Jackson has, it's just the shooting is just such a big question mark. Yeah, it almost seems like a market inefficiency, like how good this guy is at literally everything but that. And I almost wonder if this is the Bucks are at five, like with this pick, we're able to take advantage of like just the obsession with shooting in the league right now, right? Because I do think when you look at everything that Andre Jackson Jr. was able to do, again, all of it is plus except for the shooting. You mentioned the athleticism and the slam dunk contest. This is what Vicini said, and this really jumped out to me. Um, where is it? Oh. One of the best athletes in the 2023 NBA draft class and will enter the NBA as a top 5% athlete in a league full of ridiculous ones. Let's go. Like, <laughs> we'll take it. And I almost wonder, like, was Marjan the soft launch for this movement? Because I, I think he's certainly more on this trajectory. But I, I agree, like, you know, how many guys have we seen fall out of the league, you know, the Anthony Moros, right? Who's like, wow, he shoots forty five percent from three. Where would he go? Oh yeah, Bryn Special Forbes, more recent specialist kind of guys. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, if that's all you can do, like you're just limited. And I think especially on a Bucks team that we have some shooters already here, could always use more. But what was the big thing that was missing? Right, wing defense, like solid wing defense in the playoffs. Didn't feel like we had enough athletic wing defenders. Here's one. Like I really do think it looks like he'll be able to play early. You know, he's still going to be a rookie year one. I don't think he's going to be closing playoff games, but I think there's a rotational role. And I certainly think it's exciting to have someone like this alongside Marjon and look at, okay, now we have some actual young wings who could really develop. The Bucks just haven't had that in a long time. I mean, before Marjon, you know, it was like the Warriors of the world, who was a, is an intriguing prospect, is a, a good young player, is probably going to, you know, get a contract and play next year but was never going to be that multi-positional switching wing three and D kind of player. Maybe Jackson won't have the three either, but like that is so intriguing because the bucks clearly have needed that juice. And I do think you watch Jackson. It's like, Oh yeah, he's gonna like Marjan playing a little more this guy playing. Like there's your athleticism. There's your switchable defense. Like, 
And I've always thought more guys like this around Giannis. I mean, some of the most fun regular season plays last year were like Giannis and Marjan on the break. And it's like, wow, they have two athletes now. This opens up so much. I think now there's a couple more athletes the Bucks have, and I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be good for the whole team, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the biggest complaint that I had, or I guess not complaint, but just biggest disappointment in how the Bucks season ended, is that they were just they looked really old and slow. Like it, it that was not a team that was you could you could say Giannis is athletic, say Mar- Marjan's athletic. The Nassis when he played would you know do the Nassis things and light up the. Yeah. <laughs> Light up a tizzy and opponents are yeah. you know, their own dunk, very a- very athletic text and flagrants. That's about it. Like yeah. Drew's at like it's this is not like a team that just how we talked about the Bucks with John Hammond at the helm and taking these like dart throws and stuff like that. Like this is kind of like an old school John Hammond kind of pick. You know what I mean? And like to your point of like the last time we could talk about like a glut of wings that we're like okay let's see. That if this could work out, is like so. When the Bucks signed Pat originally, they had Sterling Brown. Oh yeah, Brogdon was in the mix. There was, was some other Rashad Vaughn still there. He might have been gone at that point. It was basically like Bud's first year, where it's like, oh okay, yeah, we see these guys as like I'm forgetting another guy, and it's driving me crazy right now. But uh, we see these guys as like okay. Well, they had West at that point, not a young wing, but they they had West that first year, I think. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, maybe the second year, but that was actually. But like that is it. Like Pat yeah. obviously ended up staying the longest, so he kind of went out by default. But um, that turned into a success story that they had too. So it's like I don't know. Like I see another point that I would just want to make. I see a lot of like, well, I don't know how he's going to play next to Giannis. I don't care. I do not care about that. <laughs> That is such a like a sixteen game question. It's an April, May, June question, and honestly, like until you prove it, like and I'm gonna like one eighty my answer here in a weird way, but like until you prove that you can play in the playoffs, like that is not in my psyche. It's like, what is this guy? If you're just starting from the ground floor, and then you yeah. work your way up, of like, okay, is this guy a role player? Is this a guy that you're gonna invest a second contract in? All that stuff. Like we're at. I don't want to hear anything about like what is he? How does he fit next to Giannis? It's like I don't know, and we don't know. We do, we really don't know. Well, it yeah, does not we, matter that much. Well, like, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know how any pieces will fit around Giannis right now because there's going to be a new system. And yeah. I think it's instructive that you know, while not a big scorer, certainly not a shooter, Andre Jackson known for ball movement and and off ball movement himself offensively. And I know those were things that Adrian Griffin mentioned is wanting to have more of in the offense. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, if there's going to be more cutting, more screen actions, like maybe it's easier to fit than than we anticipated a non-shooter. I mean, I think I, – I don't think that they would take the pick and just be like either he shoots or he can never play. Like like I think they, they see a lane yeah. and, you know, to your point, like it's a long regular season. You know, they're you, – you know – you can play a non-shooter next to Giannis for some games, right? Like, we don't need to know. Like, you don't. He doesn't need to be able to close next to Giannis in a playoff game to be a good thirty-sixth overall pick. I've also had someone like say, you know, on Twitter, "Oh, this is like, you know, Matisse Tybal. Like, who? Why? Why would you get excited about this?" I mean, a Matisse Tybal at thirty-six overall would be good. Like, sign he's me an up. NBA like, player. He's, he's a good NBA player. He's about to get a nice contract. Two. We don't know what he is yet, but I think there's more there's more feel for the game offensively than a tie ball. 
Tybal is like an all-world defender. Tybal's a better defender, but offensively, really just sits in the corner. He'll make some threes sometimes. Like people think he's not a shooter. He just doesn't. He's not an elite shooter and just doesn't do much else. Jackson, I just like the combo of stuff is very intriguing, and I just think the feel, the ball movement. I mean, you see some of the passes he makes in transition, and what I like too is he's he's not. From what I've seen, he isn't like he doesn't always throw crazy like behind the back. It's just like a lot of his highlights are like, okay, here's the easy pass to someone cutting to the rim. Like here's two points. And I just think that'll really play with the Bucks, especially if they are moving more, you know, someone like this and Giannis, again, both moving on the court, it's going to be hard for defenses to keep track of, especially you mix in, you know, Chris popping or with the ball or whatever else. Uh, I, I do think there's a fit even without the shooting. Yeah. I mean, he plays and plays at like, Nicholas Cage got on 60 seconds the gif of like, you know, yeah. let's go. Um, <laughs> and then he thinks that that too. Like that was another thing that Vasini like was raving about. Yeah. Um, and it's very clear just watching is that like the guy just processes things in a very fast way that is almost disconcerting. Yeah. So when it's like, okay, if you're already thinking this like 10 steps ahead and you're throwing and you know, if you live by that, you're going to make mistakes like that too. But what happens when the game starts to slow down or like, especially when you're adjusting to the pros, how does that like translate and like hit it? It can go a myriad of ways just because he is such an interesting player. Like there, I've seen the Draymond Green stuff. Bruce Brown is an interesting kind of comp and stuff like that. To be honest, like I don't know what to do with him just because he is such a, like, again, a top tier athlete for an NBA player. Yeah. He's not played a single minute. Um, on top of just like the other things that he brings to the table of just like defense versatility, the kind of Lonzo ball esque, like I'm going to have the ball in my hands for like 0.1 seconds because I see this guy cutting like, yeah, it's stuff like that. That like the connective tissue point that you made, like, the only other player that I could think of that the Bucks had or have, because he's still still on the team currently, but it's Ingles like yeah. in that way. It's just I, like I thought of that too. The athleticisms could not be more different. Yeah, and I think honestly, after watching the playoffs, like if you and again, this is he's obviously clearly not exactly this, but like if you took Ingles and took away the shooting, but made him a supreme athlete and good defender. I think that's a more valuable player for what the Bucks needed. Like, I, he made some shots. It didn't really help. Like, I, I just think there were clearly times when even while he was making shots, Ingles, like, you know, guys are just running around him on the other end or he's doing these silly fouls because he can't stay in front. And, you know, they're never getting in transition because they're not forcing any turnovers. And, you know, I, I think he could have lived with a little less spacing and a little more athletic juice and, and ball movement and certainly defense. So, uh Jackson is a nearly six six without shoes, so he'll be an NBA six six guy, and six foot nine three quarters wingspan. So that's again, he's not the tallest, but a six ten wingspan, especially he's already two hundred pounds. I think probably add a little bit more before the the season starts. Now that he's going to be in an NBA facility. He certainly has the size to play up as a forward, which is exciting. We I don't think we've talked about the trade yet. Um, I really liked it. Uh, Orlando gave up this pick, 36 overall, for a 2030 Milwaukee second and cash. So, you know, I kind of thought it would take the Portland second next year to move up. That's the only one the Bucks have in the next couple of years. I think they have like a 29 or 
28 second, 27 second, maybe? 27, I think, yeah. Because I think they so, traded 28 and 29. So they had to wait until the draft officially ended to make the deal, but they did it like right after because that's where you have to – you can't trade 20, 30 picks until this draft was over, basically. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they might be bad in 2030. I don't care, man. I mean, Giannis will be 35 in that year. Nothing matters. Like, nothing – like, this is the time that matters. And I think being able to flip that further – that far out of a pick and cash, which I don't care at all. It's. I thought it was good. I thought it was nice to see the ownership willing to spend some cash knowing it's going to be an expensive team again next year. But it's nice, but it's not a real asset. Um, for 36, which is a good second-round pick, like – Obviously, you know, only six picks out of a first rounder. Uh, it was nice. I, I thought it was a good deal and a great opportunity to grab Andre Jackson Jr., who we're clearly pretty excited about the potential of. So um, that's what I, again, I'm kind of my intro saying like they got to take these swings for low cost. I, I think 20, 30 second in cash is extremely low cost to get up here and take a guy, kind of taking advantage of Orlando, who already has a bunch of young guys, had other picks in this draft, and you just can't roster these many guys. I mean, we're seeing. OKC makes some kind of weird trades where they're just like pushing chips back. It's like, okay, we have 10 guys on rookie contracts and four picks in this draft. This won't work. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, the uh, Brad Stevens is going through like like Pac-Man just grabbing like little like picks here and there, just like eating them up. It was that was really uh He traded down uh, like four times. I just kept seeing I, like, I just kept saying, oh, the Celtics traded out of their pick. Yep. But they traded before with the wizard, it was just like this weird, just like going down, down, and down. Yeah, they, yeah, I mean, they, like, they it went up from thirty-five to twenty-five. They didn't just get a first; they basically moved up ten yeah. picks in that in that smart trade. And then they just like, yeah, I was like twenty-five to twenty-seven, twenty-seven to thirty-four. I was like, what the hell's going on? Bizarre. Um, but yeah, to your to your point, it a pick now helps the Bucks way more. It's there. This is the window. Twenty thirty is largely irrelevant. It is so easy to buy picks. Generally, I mean, again, Brad Stevens kind of showed it himself. <laughs> but, like, it just, no one, it's either you get a second round pick because you're trying to save on, you know, you want to roster up and you want to save money um, or anything like that. Like, it's, it, it, it's, I don't know, it's chump change. That's where it is, it's flyers, it's start throws, all that stuff. So, to make those dart throws now, it helps the Bucks or, you know, um, works out for the Bucks now because of just where they're at and just like they need some kind of pipeline just to see if they ha- can build something, whether it's Andre Jackson, Chris Livingston, or, you know, beyond. But like, yeah, I'm not picky. Um, we'll see. Whenever the eventual come down comes, like, it, I don't. Think the Bucks will have that hard of a time landing picks and stuff like that. So it'll Agreed. work itself out in the way. One last thing before we move on to Chris Livingston um, from a CBA, which is still not official. Teams are getting pissed, is all they're reporting that they don't, and as they should. I mean, free agencies like next week, like NBA, figure it out. NBA and NBA PA, yeah, a bunch of lawyers. But there's reportedly going to be new exceptions to sign second round picks that are actually a pretty big deal and could be a reason why the Bucks went in on on getting 36 in this draft right here. Um, you're used to either be able to do like two-year minimums, which usually would, would happen. Like I think that's how Wara and Merrill, or you'd have to use part of a different exception. And, you know, the Bucks may or may not be a second apron team. They may or may not have literally any exceptions besides the vet min. And it would be a $5 million mini MLE. 
that, I mean, if they're under far enough under the second apron, you think they'd probably want to sign a veteran player with, you know, that there's going to be a lot of teams limited to that. So I mean, you can maybe find a good player. Um, now you can sign second round picks to longer deals. It's like its own exception and you right. can do it after everything else too. So it, it's, they made it really, really possible to keep these guys and keep them for longer. So it'll be really interesting to see, like, are they able to get Livingston on basically what would be referred to as a hinky special, like a three or four year deal. That's just, there's guaranteed money throughout, but it's pretty minimal which obviously, you know, someone coming out of college drafted in the second round, you lock in whatever, $8 million, $7 million, that's hell yeah. I mean, I, I would yeah. want to as well. And for the Bucks, if the guy hits, it's like, okay, this is now an amazing value contract, saves a lot of money, et cetera. So that'll be interesting to see what kind of deals they come to with these two guys. As you mentioned, second round picks are some of the cheapest, even cheaper than vet men guys. So I certainly think like if we see Livingston on the roster, that's going to be a, a – a potentially a big part of why helping to get more of that second apron and more of that tax relief. Yeah, I mean, we saw with Jordan Warren and Sam Merrill. I think yep. it was like what, like just a hair under nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, for two year minimums, like that is cheap. Yeah, so it is a way that they can kind of skirt or you know save some money on tax level savings. So you know, it, it's, it's how it works in the NBA yep. in that way. But um, yeah, it is. That is what second round picks are for, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's now three two-way contracts. They signed one we'll talk about in a little bit. But just so everyone – those don't count toward the tax at all, I, I don't think. So I would I would be very firmly of the belief that the Bucks will have 14 roster spots, including probably both of the second round picks, leave the 15th open but have three two-ways because that makes a lot of sense for second apron ducking purposes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. The other pick they made, the, the pick they came in with 58 overall, Chris Livingston, as we've talked about. So he was honestly pretty wide-ranging, more than I expected, Vicini had him 60th, so they picked him at 58, so not not the top player on his board. Uh, ESPN had him 54th, so like a, a little bit higher. KOC had Chris Livingston 43rd, which kind of jumped out to me. I didn't expect him to be that high. Um, but again, you know, some, some people liked him. He is a pretty theoretical player right now, so kind of a surprise. I, I think kind of a surprise pick for the Bucks, even more than Jackson, I would say, because... I don't think there's any world where Livingston is a, a year one contributor. 
And as we've talked about, all these guys we've named, that's not really the case, right? Like if Sam Merrill was ever going to be an NBA player, it would be – it's kind of like – it's like a straight line. Like he was 25 years old. Like, right? Like if he could play year one, he could play year four. There wasn't going to be a huge development thing. Not the case with Livingston. He's not yet 20, 6'6", 6'11", wingspan. You know, has shot the ball well before but only 30% at Kentucky. Kind of – like kind of between guard and, and wing – Really raw, but like again, looks like an NBA player. And if if he figures out the skill stuff, I think will be a good NBA player. I think what Vicini said was, although he's had him sixty, like he's basically said, I wouldn't be shocked if he becomes a top thirty player in this draft. It just probably won't happen right away. Maybe not for his first team. So, what are your thoughts on the Bucks grabbing? And there's a little intrigue here with the agents we could talk about too. But what are your thoughts on uh, Chris Livingston? Um, should note. With or, uh, to add on to Vasini's thing, he was shut down during pre-jet workouts. Um, whether that was due to a serious injury, I think he was medically red flagged. I think that that was terminology I saw. He had a meniscus, I think. Um, yeah, Horse said they were they were obviously comfortable with it because they or picked that him. Jackson, that might have been yeah, that was Jackson, Jackson with the that was Jackson with the meniscus. Livingston was something else. You're right. Yeah. Um. I thought I was going to be able to find it, but I could not find why he was shut down. But at the same time, to your point, uh, Livingston represented by Cl- uh, Clutch Sports, specifically Rich Paul. Uh, Shams ha- had a tweet during draft night that said that Rich Paul has been telling teams that he wants Livingston to go to a certain uh, spot. The spot was the last pick of the draft. <laughs> um which is interesting, especially when the Bucks, you know, make an effort to go up and buy a pick too. So they're kind of, I guess, you know, going in uh, multiple cookie jars. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it, how we talk about like um, Andre Jackson, just like okay, there's he's got this ar- glittery array of skills and his skill set and everything like that. It seems like Chris Livingston, it's been talked about as like, I see a lot of, he probably should have been in college at least another year to kind of season his, um, you know, his skill set and everything like that. So not exactly what you wanted to hear, but, uh, <laughs> but again, you know, I'm not going to fault any kid that wants to get guaranteed money and, you know, live as a pro basketball player especially when he was like a mcdonald's all-american playing in jordan brand like all the kind of like um big events that top athletes recruits play in for basketball like jordan brand classic i think what was the other thing that i saw that he played in um does that come up but like he was a five-star recruit it was you know mr basketball or whatever state he's from <laughs> He was uh, he was a McDonald's All American, named the Jordan Brand Classic. He played for the U sixteen American team. He played in Oak Hill Academy. He was yes. the Ohio Gatorade Player of the Year and the Virginia Gatorade Player of the Year in high school. So because he transferred schools, um, was a SEC All Freshman this year. Like uh, a huge pedigree for a prospect. Like pretty much for someone who's going to slip this far, has accomplished as much as you can accomplish pre college. Yeah. Um, yeah, really interesting flyer. So uh, to the shutdown thing, it was Jackson with the meniscus. The Bucks feel good about, um, according to John Horst. And obviously they picked him, so they don't feel horrible about it. 
Um, Sham's second tweet was, after finding an NBA fit when shut down two weeks ago, Livingston was picked by the Bucks. So it does sound like he shut down because of that fit. That's fascinating. Okay. That is like, that's really interesting that they, they were like, hey, we'll take you at 58 no matter what. And I don't know if he would have been picked before that or not. Apparently, Rich Paul was calling around, but... Like, I, you don't really hear about promises at 58 all that often, especially two weeks no. before the draft. <laughs> Maybe that is, like, a way to salvage going yeah. pro too early. Yeah. Possibly. It is just not – especially when you say, like, 58, oh, that's the third uh, to last pick in the second round. No, this is the last. Yeah. <laughs> There's two picks that were forfeited, so it's like, okay – you have a promise at the last pick of the draft. It's not great optics. I will no. say that. But, you know, hats off to you, Chris Lindsay and Rich Paul. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, is this is this kind of an, an Adrian Griffin effect here? Because I do, you know, we talked about player development probably being a focus. You know, I, I can't, I think I don't think this happens if Bud's still the coach, right? Like, I don't think the Bucks are going to this in, entirely theoretical player and making this promise. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. That is – it's very interesting. I find everything about Livingston interesting. Uh, Horse mentioned that, you know, these guys would probably see time in the G League. I think for sure Livingston will. I think he'll play with the, the herd a lot. Honestly, I think it's smart that they – you know, we'll see if he's – he could sign a two-way still. He could sign a, an NBA deal. We assume NBA deal for the, the cost savings on the roster, but it's, it's not determined yet. Um, I like that they are – Bring in players in who will be secured by the Bucks to play and develop with the herd, because we have seen how many talented guys come through Oshkosh, get better, but they're just G League players and then they leave. I do think more of a focus on developing Bucks players there, and it's not to say you know they're in the Bucks org. I'm not saying they're not, but you know, a Ray John Tucker gets scooped up, you know, Frank Mason, whoever else. Whereas you know, if Chris Livingston takes a leap on the herd. No one can scoop him up if he's either on a two-way or on a Bucks contract. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that idea, if that is going to be the plan here. Uh, excited to watch him. I just think – and I kind of misspoke earlier. He's not really a guard. He is just a, a wing player. Um, you know, We've certainly seen perimeter players from Kentucky not look as good in Kentucky and then look really good in the pros. No, I'm not saying Chris Livingston is Devin Booker. But I am saying that's a, a team and a system that has made it harder on guys than the NBA has sometimes. I still think it's going to be a bit of a long road for him. But it, it, at 58 overall, I really like the upside swing here. I mean, why not? Like, why not take the swing, see if this guy hits? And if he does, boom, there's another wing player for the team. Yeah. I mean, again, dart throw. He's very athletic. Do st- stuff with the ball in his hands, which kind of, again, a theme that was – kind of seen in the early sightings, draft picks, all that stuff. Um, it's It very much is a developmental uh, prospect for this team and where he is, but, like, serious pedigree and all that stuff, like, I guess it, it's something you do. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, optics aside and just promising the last pick to a, <laughs> a, a guy, you know, Kentucky guy too, but they see something in him and – how they want to develop him and how how do they put the things in place to you know develop him and kind of establish him in the pro game because you know 
whether it's a buck stain or not, like he's going to be playing professional basketball for the rest of his life or play career, I should say. Not the rest of his life. Um, <laughs> that'd be but, incredible. Uh, or I guess dire. 80 year old Chris Lindsay yeah. just still putting up buckets. LeBron style. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, this, they feel very comfortable bringing him on and, you know, just kind of, I guess, you know, putting the pieces together for him. So, yeah, I'll be intrigued. I've, I've I always see value in, the, in guys going to the, the herd, the G League, and all that stuff to kind of take a long road with this. Um, that's where it's going to be a lot different than how we were talking about Andre Jackson because we both feel very similar that, you know, we might see him a lot more up there than we do see him with uh, the herd. Yeah. So let me see. It's going to definitely be a different story. Well, I think, too, this is something I talked about a bit with Rohan. Like, the Bucks were almost too deep in a way last year. And that sounds stupid, but like, you know, there's the couple guys that we could name off that we trust in the playoffs that play well in the playoffs. And it was like so many kind of interchangeable vets who we weren't sure about. And a lot of them didn't play all that well. And I do wonder if the focus this year is like, you know, a tight seven or eight man playoff group versus the 11 they had last year. That just by default gives more run and rotation during the season for guys like Marjan Bochamp, you know, Andre Jackson Jr., etc. So I think that could kind of be doubly beneficial in a way. I think to to that, it's almost like the Bucks depth, they had too many guys, in part because some guys just couldn't play with other players. Yeah. I mean, we, we obviously didn't see Jay Crowder just not playing and particularly just not playing well. Yeah. Um, but like you can't have Joe and Bobby on the floor at the same time. You couldn't have Bobby and Brooke, you know, come playoff time on the court. Joe and Chris. I mean, offensively you could. Defensively, clearly it was a double liability. And it's like, okay, if Grayson's playing pass on play. Like, there yeah. are a lot of, like, yo-yo situations with, like, this guy's been – our peer, this guy's yeah. defense is coming down. My hands are now on the screen. But, I, <laughs> but, like, that kind of thing. It's like it wasn't – finding those combinations within a five-man lineup they just didn't do, frankly, all that well last year. Yeah. Came, push came to shove. So, yeah, like, I, I've i definitely been thinking about this ever since the Bucks season obviously ended way too soon. But, like, there's good depth and there's depth of, like, valuable depth. Like, we're also – this is coming weeks after the Nuggets won the championship easily. Um, and they played, like, 10 guys. But they know how to play. It's a lot easier to do that with a guy that – you know, does Nikola Jokic things night in, night out. But I don't think the Bucks are all that far off. And, you know, Giannis may not be a elite level shooter like Jokic is, but he's very much uh, the kind of person that everything runs towards him and he can see things that other people don't see based on his height and everything else. So, yeah, like, I just think, like, there's different ways to how do you build the team and, like, building the depth portion of it where everything that we talked about with the Bucks under Bud, it was like, these guys are just the, the young guys specifically will not break through. They will not break through. It's super hard when all, you know, push games shove and all that stuff. So it's like now that we'll see how things evolve with their roster situation and see who comes back and everything like that. But maybe that starts to change with Adrian Griffin. Who knows? But I, I just think, how we talk about the buck step. It's like, yeah, they were deep, but it just didn't, it didn't click in the 
Yeah, just didn't click in a way that like you would ultimately want with a team that you expected to go far in the playoffs, and obviously that contributed to it. Yeah, I mean, I think what we learned is 11 guys who are good in the regular season but not necessarily 16-game players is not really useful depth for the Bucks goals. So yeah. um, a deep seven could be better than the 11 last that they had last, last postseason. One last thing on these first two guys before we move on to their, their two-way pick, which is very intriguing. Um, Livingston, his motor was noted a lot, and I think also the same for Jackson, um, as well as just like, you know, his – leadership sense uh, on that UConn team. And I do think it's worth noting these are like Bucks culture kind of guys, like Livingston being someone with an extremely high motor, both big frame guys. Like I don't – it's not like they're, I think, going away from everything about the team, right? Like they're making changes, but like these guys both seem like they're going to fit in great. It's not like, you know, people were excited about like Enamoni Bates who is just like – a little chucker, honestly, um, for lack of better words. I mean, like, you know, just the way he plays, like, you know, given these interviews, like, I don't know if that would have been as good of a fit and what the Bucks do. I think these guys play differently than guys that they've taken before, but it does seem like, you know, personality-wise, I, I think they're going to slot right in pretty seamlessly here. The three Cs, high character. Yep. That was a big thing. Creativity uh, certainly is there with Jackson, creativity. that's for sure. Uh, I think the other scene was collaboration. Chris. No, I'm joking. Oh, it's going to be a Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can't think of the third C. Was it collaboration? But well, we got two. We got two. Yeah, we got at I, least two. You might have been right. I think collaboration sounds right. I'm so not going like that's up. stuck with the assistant coaches stuff. So I'm like, is that what he talked about the assistant coaches, or is that what he's talking about? Like, oh yeah, whole. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's the new the new path. The three yeah. C's. Three C's, baby. Um, Amari Moore. So right after the draft, uh, agreed to a two-way deal, reportedly. So Horse hasn't, hasn't talked about it yet. Uh, I don't think the deal is official yet, but uh, pretty interesting. So KOC had him outside of his top 63, left him off entirely. Gavoni had him 62. Vicini had Amari Moore 44th and was actually pretty high on him. Um, I think to that the context behind that, that is the cutoff for like what he deemed as like two way grades. Yes. So Mari Moore was like, okay, these, these guys are like, you know, all these players, prospects down are like guys that he deemed as like worthy for two way or, you know, beyond. Yes. So, um, I find it interesting that at least, at least one of the three outlets had all of these guys in the 40s, which is pretty good considering whether – obviously, Andre Jackson was higher, but uh, pretty good for undrafted in 58 overall. Um, Moore is just like – I find fascinating. I really can't wait to watch him in Oshkosh. So the shooting percentage doesn't look great, but he was, I think, one of the best pull-up three-point shooters in the, the nation or one of the best pull-up jumpers. Um, According to Vecini, among the 112 players to take at least 150 pull-up jumpers, Moore was 25th in efficiency and made the 11th most threes. So his off-the-catch game has been bad, which that's concerning. I mean, that's going to limit you, obviously, in the NBA. But you would think if you can hit pull-up threes at a high clip, you'd be able to figure out the catch-and-shoot. We'll see. He's basically like a one-man offense, or at least was. He was a four-year player at San Jose State. Uh, really came along the last year, averaged 17 points, five assists, five rebounds. Uh, Vicini stressed like 
while he has weaknesses, like, you know, we'll see about the defense. He's not strong enough right now. He needs to play off ball. He's just totally been on ball. But he basically got San Jose State to 21 wins as an on-ball player. They hadn't won 20 games in 40 years. So Vecini seemed like pretty impressed with the skill set, even if he needs to kind of learn. It seems like more than like a skill, it feels like he just needs to learn how to play in a real NBA offense. But I like just going for like traits and tools, and it seems like a pretty exciting two-way signing. Yeah, I mean, John Horace works really quickly with two-way signings after drafts. This is kind of, if there's one like consistent thing that I've I've seen or gleaned from what, this is his sixth draft? Seventh? Um, I think DJ Wilson was first. Was that 18 or 17? That was. Well, yeah. I, but he was there I for like, like a three half weeks. Credit for yeah, that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I mean, that, Jason a, Kidd made the pick, but. It was a, yeah, a weird one. Um, But he loves a good two way signing right after the draft ends. It, it's, it's, it is blood. Um, It's also a good way to, you know, it's a guy that will come to your team and then maybe you have later. Um, but more is interesting, to say the least. Um, I don't want to make it sound like I'm more interested in the two-way guy over like a guy like Andre Jackson, who's probably going to be the only one that really plays over like 500 NBA minutes next year. But like, um, more is the kind of two-way guy that you would be like, okay, that there's something there. Um, again, Sam is a. This is what he does. <laughs> Read all his draft stuff, especially his draft guide. You know, just not to be a sponsor, sponsor of the athletic or whatever, but like it's really it's good, folks. It's, it's really, really good. good. <laughs> it's like the level and, of detail on like a hundred players is incredible. Yeah, and it answers questions that you you can't find in Google searches very easily too. So like that's part of what makes it fun just to read all these guys. But like, it's hard not to be kind of wooed by like what how Amari Moore is, and again, like how we talk about. Chris Livingston and um, uh, Andre Jackson, very comfortable with the ball in his hands, more as a lead ball handler rather than like ISO or connective tissue with like Andre Jackson. Um, Again, he was the Spartans offense by all accounts, it seems like. And not watching all that much film or video clips, I guess. Um, But yeah, that the, Three point percent stuff. I'm like that guy. Of all the three guys that they, I guess, signed right away before I went to bed, and they had the <laughs> Drew Timmy signing. Um, he uh, he shoots a lot better than what his stats yeah. are. Like yeah. it is very apparent. And a guy that can create hit shots off the dribble, especially which is very key to this Bucks team, and has will be regardless of who is the coach. Um, that's intriguing to me. And he's big. Like, he's not, like, just a point guard. He's, yeah. like, 6'6". Yeah, I I don't really understand how he fell to undrafted. Because, like, you read everything about this guy, and it's, like, a good driver, drives off the thread of his shot, like, has a couple dribble moves he likes to go to, gets to the rim. Solid defender. Like, Vecini was like, he's not great, but he's he's not horrible. And you read this, and you're like, okay, this guy's got to be six feet tall, right? Like, like that's why he'd be available. He's 6'5", with nearly a 6'10 wingspan. Like... It's another player with real wing size and should be able to defend. I mean, it doesn't sound like he's going to be an elite defender, but with that size and frame, I mean, 
if you're going to be playing like the two, that frame plays really well there. I mean, you're going to be yep. like you're going to be able to guard a guy like you know whatever Seth Curry or whatever like the smaller twos. You're just going to have a big leg up, and and that's a big deal. I think just like a really a really intriguing gamble. This was also well, I, I loved reading this. He played Santa Clara and Arkansas. They beat Santa Clara. They got destroyed by Arkansas. But he outplayed. Was it Brandon Podzimski? I, I always get his name wrong. Oh, the the uh, Warriors guy from Wisconsin. Yes. Yep. Um, outplayed him and outplayed Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr. in the Arkansas game. Vicini quote he looked better and then also said it stood out in the tape and it's like yeah I'll take this guy's undrafted free agent two way like played outplayed lottery picks like he is older but he's about to turn twenty three so he's not not an ancient rookie but again did play four years in college the the skills are just interesting and he's a pretty good passer too he had a uh, almost two to one assist turnover ratio averaged nearly five assists per game which isn't a ton for dominating the ball but. At least he wasn't turning it over a ton either. I mean, yeah. what I come back to with these picks is just like there's just traits there in all of them that you're like, oh, yeah, you, you can see it, right? Like Livingston, I'd say probably the least. His may just be motor and frame more than anything. Motor, frame, athlete kind yeah. of stuff. And you try to fill in that way. Yeah. yeah. Like I know what you mean of like especially between Moore and Jackson. It's like creativity, ball in the hands. Like it's stuff like – they kind of there's a thread there that they're seeing yeah. with how they could you know I guess uh, develop them in a way um, that's intriguing. Yeah, like you you see like if he's going to be an NBA player, it's because of these things, and they're just apparent. Whereas Livingston is not that. Livingston is more just the mystery box, which I think is fine. But I find yeah. it interesting these other two picks, or these other two guys, not picks obviously, but like oh okay, like he can just shoot now, and he's six five with a six ten wingspan and. You know, he just has to round out his game. And then, of course, Jackson is like, you know, here's your young but basically plays like late stage Andre Iguodala, like a winner who connects the offense and defends across positions and great passer. Like I, I'm very intrigued versus, you know, I think some of the last draft picks, there just wasn't as much there. I mean, we can go back as far as like Rashad Vaughn, Thon Maker. But, you know, a lot of the time it's just, you know, here this guy can shoot or should be able to shoot. Again, I wouldn't say Marjon is that, but um, these picks are just so – I'm fascinated by these picks, which is funny because it's 36, 58 overall and an undrafted guy. But I'm like, wow, this is so exciting. Bucks draft picks, baby. Let's go through the last 10 years of Bucks draft picks. You know, I will not fault them for actually doing that. But yeah, uh, I will fault them for who, some of the guys they left off and getting Giannis's pick number wrong. Yeah, that seems important. Yeah, that's the one. That's for, I mean, the graphic, honestly, it says that notable, which I guess is the reason for leaving off. The Bucks put this out on Instagram is what we're talking about, by the way. Hopefully it's been taken down by now. But they left off like Jabari Parker, who, you like him or not, that was a notable pick. Like That that changed the culture of Bucks fandom. I mean, that, the energy around the fan base when he was picked, it, it was palpable. Uh, get Giannis's thing right. And if you just want to do notable, like just put Giannis. Giannis and Marjan, I guess. He's still on the team, but... You know, there's like Giannis, Thon Maker, but not Malcolm Brogdon. Like, what are we doing? What's the – it was – Brogdon won the rookie of the year. Yeah. Start, he started playoff games, right? Like, what's the basis for Thon but not him? Oh. It's frustrating post. <laughs> frustrating post. Um, anyway, any more thoughts on uh, Amari Moore, who we, sounds like we'll be seeing in, in Oshkosh, which 
I'm really excited about the guys that are going to be coming through the herd this year, man. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a, a fun group. It sounds like to watch. Um, I'll just should note Mount West Player of the Year, reigning oh. Mount West Player of the Year. Um, not nothing. I know it's more of like a mid-major conference, but like they've had some success success stories from that conference of schools. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like I, I. This is where I get excited for the herd and be like, oh, I want to see these guys play and see how they click and. Um, we'll see how Chase and Allen. I believe he's coming back, right? Chase I don't Allen. know if we have confirmation. That is true. I did see him on one of the the videos that the Bucks put out there. That's a good Adrian, sign. But we, That's but a we good don't sign. know. We don't, we don't know. know what the role will be either. I mean, sometimes guys move from that That's to That's a, good point. a different bench spot. We'll see. I don't think there's been anything official on who the herd head coach will be. Um, I'll dig into that. We'll see if we can confirm that or, or confirm otherwise. But. Certainly would be excited if it's Chase on. I think he's done a great job developing players and has a good rapport with the team. But, yeah, I think the talent level is going to be really, really fun to watch this year. A um, couple more draft things before we can talk about the latest with Chris Middleton, who declined his player option, which is, you know, maybe something we should have talked about earlier, but whatever. It's a draft pod. Who cares? Uh, everyone's still listening. Everyone wants to hear about Drew Timmy, who the Bucks signed to an Exhibit 10 contract. Um, I'll let you talk about him, but real quick from the – CBA or cap perspective, what that means is he goes to summer league and plays, and then he gets cut, probably, almost certainly. And if he reports to the herd, he gets a bonus. That's the exhibit 10. Yeah. So it's basically like making him a preferred herd player. It doesn't give immunity from him getting like plucked by another team later on. The Bucks would have to give him a two-way or something. But it does basically lead to him getting a spot with the herd. So that is what that means. You should not expect, basically, he's going to be a buck Come the regular season, the Exhibit 10 almost always ends up in the guy playing for the G League team. It's it's a contract to do that. It's like a $50,000 guaranteed. Yeah, I think. At least under the old CBA. Again, we don't have a no, CBA, true, so yeah. could be anything. Who knows? Yeah, get on an MBPA. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Gonzaga guy. I think, what, five-year guy plus – there was some maybe he went longer because of the COVID. Uh, yeah, he is turning twenty three in September. So, uh, played four years though. Yeah, um, certainly. Uh, what is it? WCC Player of the Year twice. Is it Western Conference College or not Conference College? Uh, uh, West Coast Conference. Yeah, West Coast there Conference. Um, I've certainly have heard and seen him play as a lot. Of considering Gonzaga is always one of the best teams in the country year after year. Um, definitely a bit of the uh, old soul, I believe, low post kind of guy. Back to back to the basket, big. That you know, oh, how does this guy play in the pros? Um, I want to say too, last year he his Gonzaga won it last year. I think. Um, uh no, they lost in the regional semis. They did. And they lost in the final the year before. So yeah, has not that's like the one thing Timmy hasn't done is win the the whole thing. Gonzaga's never won it too either. I'm just going on Gonzaga. Oh yeah. Now. Um I always think that they win and they don't. I thought they did too. Well they always they're always good and they always go they're always good. I was going to run, but yeah, they haven't haven't won the whole thing. Um but I remember last year he was a big like, oh, is he gonna turn pro? Yeah, and then NIL stuff kind of forced his hand up just to stay, um, which I won't fault him for either. But yeah, it's again, dart throw. Can you this guy adjust to NBA 
the game. Um, it's obviously a big reason why he went undrafted too, because yeah, obviously all teams that had picks did not think that he could, but Bucks see something in him to get him an exhibit ten. We'll see how it works out, but I mean he's. Probably as uh, decorated as a college player has been in quite some time, you know, that saw all four years of his college out and didn't make the jump up before that. So it's a real opportunity for him. I think this is a Wisconsin herd roster move, to be honest. Like, I think I don't see him ending up as a a true buck at some point in time. You know, I, I just think didn't shoot free throws well in college. Didn't stretch the floor at all, like, you know, on 0.6 attempts over four years, 0.6 attempts per game over four years, he made 25% of his threes, like, didn't take them, didn't make them. That's, he's just going to have to do that. I mean, he's not like a defensive monster. He blocked, got up to one, exactly one block per game his senior year. Before that was under one block, which is, you know, if you're a a big guy in college, you should have a couple blocks. Like, it's, you know, you're playing against guys who are going to go sell insurance not even trying to be shitty but like that's that's the competition on some of these games like one block per game it's not a lot in the college level um, but yeah 21 points I mean, he's been like a around 20 point per game scorer for three years seven rebounds like i think he will be very good in the g league like there's the size plays there he's 610 um, and he has offensive craft like he can score the ball in the post he'll be fun to watch there obviously you know with his not notoriety but like stature as a college player like that's going to be people are going to be interested to watch him uh i don't see him as like a true nba potential guy i I, like you know i've i've talked myself into the dragon benders and even like myers leonard's as you know this guy can be the stretch five i really don't see that optionality here but i think he'll be a good herd player they really struggled after ibu baji Uh, he got hurt anyway later but got got poached by portland where they just didn't have any size like they're starting Six foot eight guys at center and the herd. It's just hard to win. I mean, Jace Johnson or Jackson, the former Marquette player, who's like, oh yeah, not JC maybe not not a super like you know not an A list prospect, but he's just big. I just remember he dominated them like Kenny Lofton dominated them. They just did not have any size. So I feel like he fills a hole in Oshkosh and is going to be an intriguing player to watch there. I, I don't see much of a more potential than that, which is fine because again, like. They didn't use an asset here. They're just bringing him in, and on the on the low chance he does develop, then great, he's in the system already. But uh, I would not would not attach too many hopes to him, you know, being a Bucks player someday. Yeah, same. And then I think the unless you had anything else on on Timmy, the last contract news is Paris Bass summer league deal. So I think the reason that's not an Exhibit Ten, the herd have his rights. He finished last season uh, in Oshkosh with the herd. Like Michael Beasley in the G League, like a bucket. He wears 35. I need to confirm it with him. I think I'm guessing because KD wore it. Like he is like a big, long, skinny guy who just makes shots over people. Super fun to watch. He'll be at Summer League so people can watch him play with some of these other draft picks. Would expect that means he'll be back with the herd too, uh, which is fun. I mean, he's a fun player to watch. And I think, you know, it was a disservice to him. He had to play a lot of five because that's really not, you know, he's not a defender. He's not a, like a, Rim protector. I think him next to a guy like Timmy will be it'll be nice for Paris Bass. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that is so far all of the draft stuff. Let me check. Do we have anything else while we're podcasting yeah. here? I like, don't think so. You always got to look. 
If anything, it would be like a regional beat writer or something like that. Then yeah. have like, you know, where a guy's going to be going. But the uh, big Kal- names are off the board. Kawhi Leonard got a knee surgery and is going to miss eight weeks. The Chris Middleton. Oh, great. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, nothing on. Uh, Nothing more on the Bucks as of yet, so let's move to contract stuff. So, Chris, I, I think they reported it like it was found out. Like, I think the league just kind of found out Chris wasn't opting in because the window passed and he hadn't opted in. Like, we didn't find out until like 11 p.m. Central. Um, but Chris officially opts out, which is the same as not opting in, of the player option. There are two camps on this. There are he's gonna reach a long term deal with the Bucks that helps him stay under the second apron, and there is he's gonna get poached. I am firmly in one camp, but where are you at on the latest Chris news? Um, to be expected. I I I really don't. I would be very shocked if anything substantially something that ends with him leaving happens. Um, Agreed. I, I just I. For all the talk of like he wants to leave, it's all outside noise, and it's it's stuff that comes with anxieties of the guy going to free agency. He's able to go anywhere he wants. I don't think the Bucks. I think the Bucks are very confident with where they are at with Chris Middleton. John Horst has said as much. Um, it is very late post uh, draft press conference, but uh, yeah, I just I don't I don't see anything really earth-shattering happening, happening with Chris leaving. Uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, the Bucks have, I think, like oh, $240 million, $240.5 million have given out to Chris over the years. I think they're going to add another more than $100 million to that, which is honestly – think about – like go back to 2014. Imagine if someone was like, hey, this Chris Middleton guy – He's going to get $400 million from the Bucks over the next 15 years. <laughs> Earned every penny. I love Chris. I, I agree yeah. with you. I think he's going to be back. Uh, the four-year deal makes sense. They can start at a number that allows them to open up the mini MLE, even if they keep Brooke Lopez. But that's the one that's um, – it's getting a little scary now. Um, I talked about this with Rohan. You maybe disagree. Uh, you know, the, the defensive focus from Griffin. I don't think rules out Lopez. And Griffin and Horace both talk about him. As a core piece, they very much want back. But the Woj reported again, Houston is is in the mix, wants to pay Brooke, everything else. Um, there's just been more noise about that and less noise since like an early Mark Stein report, like a month ago now, that he would be resigning with the Bucks. It could all just be smoke. Houston sounds like is not getting James Harden now. So at a certain level, it's like, why do you want to sign Brooke Lopez to this big contract? Like what are you going to win? Like, what about Alperin Shangun, who is like, has like some real potential? I, I don't really understand the Rockets. And I don't know, like, out of all the players hitting free agency, like, the 35 year old defensive anchor is, it's just kind of weird to me. But I, I, I would say, I, I don't think he's gone, but I'm more worried about him than Chris, for sure. Like, Chris in on the coaching interviews, like, I, I just think it makes more sense. Like, I think Chris, for sure, is going to be back. I'm very confident. Brooke, I'm I'm a, I'm nervous at this point, but you seem less so. I am. I, I I do. I will agree. I think it's a little bit. It's not. I don't feel as certain. I just think it's a lot. It's the Rockets have the most cap space of any team. It's a lot of agent leverage. It's putting it out there that they want to. They probably want more years. They want a little bit more money than the Bucks 
will be comfortable with giving up, but they're going to have to anyway if they really want a starting center, starting caliber center on the roster because there's no other true avenue to get one unless you're trading someone. So, yeah. you know, like the, the Bucks' hands are tied. They, Brooke Lopez is still a valuable player. It would be a shame to move on from him, but like, I just, I, to your point, why would Brooke Lopez go to a Rockets team that they have Ime Yudoka as their coach and they don't really have anybody close to as like, hey, that is their franchise core player that's going to bring them to, um, you know, uh, I guess success again. They're yeah. still like one or two years away from actually like the major competitors or yeah. contenders. Unless, I mean, if, if, if they swing the Harden thing, you know, maybe. It's just sounding less and less likely that that's going to happen. And certainly, like, if they just add some, you know, whatever free agents, which this isn't a great class, it, it is worth saying. You know, yeah, they're not cl- – I don't think they're even close to the playoffs. I mean, they have all these young guys who don't know how to win at this point. So they just drafted Cam Whitmore, fell to them at 20. They're excited about it. He was, like, a potential top five guy. But yeah, The Thompson twins. Yeah, and they got – uh, Amen? No, they got a SAR. Oh, no, you're right. They got Amen. They got Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asar oh, okay. went to the Pistons. You're correct. That's right. They got Amen at four. So, you know, good young players, but, you know, usually not – usually you don't draft two guys in the top 20 and play them a lot and win a lot of games the next year. So, yeah. you know, I would get one in the veteran presence or whatever, um, but I just think you would assume then they would probably want more money less years where the Bucks would offer the opposite. I, I still think they figure it out. I mean, there's seven teams with cap space. The only one that is, I think, really good is the Kings. They opened up a bit of cap space with their maneuvers, getting rid of Rashawn Holmes. I haven't heard any buzz there, and I just don't think that they're looking to put him next to Domas Sabonis. That would be a kind of a weird fit, I think. Who knows? But Yeah. I, I, I think, too, it's like that. it's all – it's not a lot of – the last thing that we've heard of, like, Brooke – talking to the media about his future. I think that was during the season. It was like, I'm, I think it was with Michael Scott of Hoops. He was like, I want to be here. Yeah. And then it's like, season ends the way it does. And then it's all about, you know, Rockets having the most cap space and going to hand out the bag to him or Dylan Brooks and all this stuff. Like they're just used for it. That's where it's like, yeah, you have the money available, but you'll, that is going to be used against you. They're the Rockets for all their, they are out there with a lot of rumors. So they like, to kind of get out there and like be tagged with interest with this region or this draft pick or whatever. I think it's just like part of their game. Yeah. Ever since the transition to Raphael Stone, that he just kind of plays the the media card very well. Like we're always out there looming as a target where, you know, we don't know how much of a threat they actually are. Yeah. Um, I, I agree, and I, I don't. I don't feel bad about it. I just I will be very relieved if when the you know Brooke is signing whatever deal. Um, and yeah, I mean I don't think I won't squabble too much with what the amount is. I mean I have, you know I think I have like fifteen million in my mind as I think a reasonable number. Anything below that I think is exceptional. Anything above that I, I can live with it because as you say, you know, and I haven't really even considered this as much, but like. What do you do if you don't have it? I mean, you start in Bobby Portis at center. We've seen that, and they slipped a lot defensively, and then you have no big depth. Um, obviously, you know there's guys you can sign, but none of them are going to be close to as good as Brook Lopez, and I think that goes for trades too. I mean, we've talked about before, 
one of the most unique players in the league. Like, really hard to, to replicate unless you can go get Miles Turner, who I think is worse. I mean, over time, that will change, of course, as Brooke continues to age. But uh, otherwise, I don't know who else has given you that rim protection and shooting ability. So hopefully it's Brooke Lopez for five more years and he just keeps doing this. Nobody understands, but I'm not going to. I remember when they signed the last contract, I was like, four years. Oh, boy. How is that going to age? How quickly those four years go. Yeah. And how well they went for the Bucks. So I, I'm not. Absolutely. If it's a little bigger than I want. I hear that he was out for the majority of it. Yeah. And then he came back better than ever. So, you know, if it's three years, if it's four years. I mean, my idea has been three years, 45. I think that makes sense. Just spitballing. Yeah. Obviously, no inside info. If it's four years, 60. If it's four years, 70. I'll say, okay. Right, that's that's the price you pay. I mean, it's it, it is it going to age well? Probably not. But. Brooke has proven me wrong before with this, so I'd much rather have him and have a year where that contract is not ideal than lose him because then, you know, I wouldn't say cooked, but you're in a really bad spot if you just lose Brooke Lopez. It's not, yeah, it's not great. Yeah. So uh, I'm confident. Good players, you want to keep good players. Yeah, it's generally generally a good idea. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's pretty much all we've got. Anything else, any other offseason stuff? Free agency will come quickly, so we'll have a lot more answers. I wonder, Javon Carter's option has to be due soon, too. I think it's right before free agency. So the 29th, right. I think that's the last possible day. Yeah. So next week sometime. So, you know, he hasn't opted out yet. Um, I would expect him to. It's like a $2 million option. But I expected Pat to last year, and he opted in and extended. That's uh, And Gary Trent Jr. just did that as well. Those numbers were bigger than, than Javon's number. Um but I actually think he's like next on the list of guys I think is most likely to be back. We'll see how they do it, and we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but has been around the offseason stuff, and, and I just think makes a lot of sense to bring back, especially if he's open to you know not a, a huge contract. They do have his early bird rights, so they could go up to like $10 million. We'll see what it ends up as. Um, there is an avenue if Chris and Brooke are on like $50 million combined. They could sign Javon to... Like four or five million, and then still use the mini MLE, which you know means they'd be under the second apron after using it. So that's like another a better free agent than Vet Mins, um, plus bringing those guys back. But that's no crowd or no angles. So uh, we'll, we'll see um, what all happens. It's going to be really interesting. They have a lot of free agents and a lot of moving pieces right now. Yeah, the big you got the Chris's Brooks of the world, but Javon yep. is as important to their depth and where they go with their backcourt going forward. Um, even Wes, I believe, is a free agent too, so yep. we'll see what happens with him. Um, yeah, it all starts, what, next week? Next yeah. We're, we're going to be back in the ringer just again? Yeah. And then it's like nothing until Eurobasket. Oh, no, no, then Summer League, and then Summer it's League, nothing. Summer League, and then it'd be, yeah, Eurobasket or FIBA World Cup or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, June 30th is free agency. 5 p.m. on June 30th. Yeah, a week from today. So buckle up, folks. Buckle up. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk some free agents. Rohan and I talked a bunch of cheap options on the last pod, but we'll try to do another one. But uh, certainly after the signings happen, you know, maybe I don't know if we'll do a live show or what, but we'll be all over covering the, the moves and everything. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Hopefully. It will. Hopefully, <laughs> I think it will. I think it will. I think so too. I'm still confident. There's gonna be a surprise there. You never know. There always is. 
Uh, Jordan, grade the draft. Everyone loves gr- draft grades. Oh, A+. Plus. I have a 100-point scale, and I believe strongly it's an 87 exactly. Oh. I made that number 87? up. No, I made that number up. I don't know. I think it's good. I, I, I hate draft grades. I think it's so dumb. We don't know. Nobody knows. We don't know. We don't know. We hope to know, but we we still don't. I, I think it's good picks for where they were at. I, I like what they did. Uh, that's the, the Spark Notes version that everyone had to listen to an hour and 15-minute pod to hear. <laughs> it would have been better if that was just like we had a five-second pilot. I like what they did. <laughs> Pretty good. Let's see if they turn out and music plays. Oh. oh. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening to this this podcast. Find more Bucks plus Brewers plus Packers. Do you hear what Aaron Rodgers is up to? No, nobody cares. Uh, plus movie, TV, music, everything else coverage at GSPN. Find all our shows and links and everything. Discord entry at gspn.info. Uh, subscribe wherever you're listening. If you haven't before, we'd love to have you back. We will be here all off-season, the exciting times and the boring times. We'll, we'll be here covering all things Bucks. And there's really nothing boring in the NBA anymore, so that doesn't matter anyway. Uh, five stars on your podcast listening platform. Hit the notification bell on YouTube. Drop a comment. Say hello. Um, I think that's all the plugs. Thank you so much for listening. Pod random. And we will talk to you next time.